Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. We are back again today, and I'm here with my guests. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Audrey. I'm 20 years old, and I live in Orem, Utah, but I'm from California. Awesome. Well, it's great having you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what high-demand religion you left? So I left Mormonism. I started to leave that religion when I was about 16, but I really stopped going and left when I was 18 years old. It's, yeah, like you said, it's a really high-demand religion. It's very controlling, and getting out of it was hard. I still don't even have my records removed yet, but I'm working on it. (laughs) And what made you want to leave? So it's a funny story, actually. I was dating a boy when I was 16, and I was very involved with him. I thought I loved him. And then one day he came to me and he told me, like, hey, I just think you should know that I don't believe in the church. And that broke my heart, sent me spiraling. I cried for three days. And then I like got up from my bed one day and I was like, okay, but like, what if it isn't true? And that just sent me down the rabbit hole um, of finding out things about church history. Or in my case, it was a lot about women in the church. I consider myself to be a very strong feminist and seeing the way that women were treated around me, the lessons I was having on modesty and things really struck a chord on making me want to examine why I was part of this religion. And so did the LGBTQ plus treatment have anything to do with you leaving? Yes. I didn't know that I was bisexual in high school. So that like, it wasn't part of my personal journey for leaving, but I have a lot of friends who are part of the community. I remember being in high school when I was younger and having gay friends and saying, well, I love you. I just can't support you. And looking back on that now, I feel awful about it. But when I was starting to leave was actually right when I was getting into theater in high school. So I was exposed to a lot more of the LGBTQ community, started to read about politics. This was around 2015 when gay marriage was legalized and my parents were voting against it. And seeing the way that it was affecting all these people around me and then the dogma that the church has and how it was affecting people both at BYU and in the main branches of the church, how it was hurting people that I loved. I have an uncle who's gay who I didn't know as a child, and I've only just recently started to build a relationship with him because he was so ostracized from our family for being gay, and it just hurt my heart. And now, how did the talk that Jeffrey R. Holland gave affect you? What always did it affect you? So I saw that talk, or I heard about it that Monday on TikTok, actually. I was sitting at work, heard about it, and then I immediately went and read through it, especially those key parts that everybody was talking about, the musket fire and the calling out like Matt Easton and things like that. And Right off the bat, it just made me incredibly angry and frustrated that this type of dogma was still so strong within the church. Like, we all know it's there, it's in the doctrine, but a lot of brethren have gotten less heavy handed about it, speaking about it only in church rooms or saying, hate the sin, love the sinner, you know, all of that. But for him to come out so heavy handed, in the year 2021 saying that he needed more musket fire from the temple of learning and that these 
people were just sinners, that we can't condone it, and that basically calling out all the people on campus who were supporting them and telling them to stop was very open about what he wanted to see on campus and how he was disappointed in the way that BYU was running itself. And so immediately I knew the ramifications it was going to have on LGBTQ students on campus. I mean, we saw what happened with the 2019 policy reversal where there was like a wave of suicides following that, where they cited that they thought that they were going to be welcome and then they just had their heart broken. And I knew that this could become something similar. And now did you grow up going to church or were you a convert? How was that for you? So I was born and raised in the Mormon church. I So my parents were 17 when I was born. They met in high school and made some mistakes. And then my dad wasn't active at the time as a teenager, but I think about a year after I was born, he reactivated and started going back to church. So I grew up in it. My mom's not a member, actually. She's never been baptized, but she goes to church with them every week, never went to lessons or anything. But she, it was obvious that she wanted us to go to church and that she supported it, even if she didn't believe it personally. And I was a very true believing, true blue Mormon until 16 or 17. I think even when after I started to question, I wanted to be a big part of the church. I remember loving seminary so much, like early morning seminary, getting up at 6 a.m. to go, loving it so much that one time when I got grounded, my parents told me I wasn't allowed to go to seminary. And that was my punishment. And I cried for two weeks. (laughs) So Mormonism was always like a big part of my life. That's interesting. Now, when you were in Young Women's, how was it having to listen to all the purity lessons and stuff like that? I think I always fundamentally disagreed with the purity lessons, the whole idea that women were responsible for the men's cleanliness of their mind or their thoughts or their hearts. But I don't think it really struck me that it was wrong until actually my mom went with me to Young Women's one day. I mean, she was just sitting in the lesson with me because I had begged her to come because I w- didn't have many friends. And we had a lesson on purity and on modesty and talking about how we shouldn't show our shoulders or our legs or do things that will make boys think a certain way because we're responsible for upholding their hearts. And I remember my mom pulling me aside after class and saying, don't believe what those women are telling you right now. Like you are not responsible for anything that a man does or a man does to you. And that was the first time I'd ever heard anything like that. And it was also one of the only times my mom has ever spoken against the church was that these modesty lessons were bad or wrong or going to put into these young women's minds that they were responsible for awful things that happened to them instead of putting it on the perpetrators of those awful things. Well, that's good that she was able to be there and correct it and make sure that you didn't think that that was normal. Yeah, it was refreshing, honestly, because I'd always thought that I didn't like what they were saying, but this is the first time someone told me it was wrong. And now, did you experience anything else problematic when you were growing up? I mean, I know a lot of people who had bad bishops interviews where they asked inappropriate questions. I know that's very rampant within Mormonism, but I think the closest thing that ever happened to me was when I was like 13 or 14, I went into a bishop's interview and they asked me if I masturbated, but I didn't know what it was. So I said no. And then I went to school and asked my friends like, hey, what's this word? What does it mean? And they told me what it meant. And obviously I was masturbating. I was a 14 year old girl. 
And I just remember being like overcome with guilt, but I was like, well, I already lied to him once. So I guess I just have to keep lying. So every time they ever asked me, I would just say no. That's pretty interesting that you had that experience. Now, how has your life been better since you've left? Well, I met my husband, so that was great. We weren't married in Mormonism. He grew up LDS too, but he left when he was about the same age that I was. So it was really amazing to be able to meet and fall in love with someone who's had such similar experiences to you, but also has such similar beliefs to you. Because there are obviously lots of people who grew up in Mormonism, and even if they leave the church, don't leave a lot of the dogma behind. and. Also, after leaving the church, I realized that I was bisexual, which was a really big thing for me. I was a girl in high school who was kissing other girls and wanting to hang out with other girls. But then I would go around saying, oh, girls are just fun to kiss. Like, all girls are at least 10% gay. And, like, just not bat an eye at it because I thought that was normal. And I actually didn't even really realize that I was bisexual until after I started dating my husband. But just to have none of that guilt attached to it anymore. Even though I'm in a straight relationship, I'm attracted to girls that I don't have to worry about that because it's totally normal or that I can have friends who appreciate and love me and advocate for me or who don't say, oh, but we love you, but we don't love your sin. To be able to have a totally different level of radical acceptance is really beautiful. And how has it been seeing some people get involved in Chalking Provo. It's been really incredible. So that first week, right after Holland's talk, which was given on Monday, I saw a TikTok talking about that we were going to be going chalking on Thursday. So I saw it about two days before, tried to tell as many people as I could, posted about it on my Instagram, went to that event on Thursday. And it went great. It was super fun. We went to dinner afterwards. And then obviously the video came out later that night of, um, Connor Ray Murray erasing the the drawings and saying some things. So I thought that maybe BYU was going to take care of it, or maybe there'd be like a little bit of pushback from our community, but that that chalking night was going to basically be the end of it. And then that next day, Friday, I was sitting at home at five and I looked at my phone and it was like, hey, we're going chalking again tonight. So I got ready as fast as I could, rushed to BYU and we did it again that night throughout the weekend and then all over the following week leading up to the Pride Night event on, that was Saturday the 4th, I think it was. And now are you guys still chalking or... No, they are they are still chalking. Most days they go from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. There's a couple of businesses in Provo now that are participating, but there is going to be a big chalkathon on September 18th, which is like a bigger event that's going to be put together. There are flyers about it on the chalk.provo Instagram and on I think the Rainbow Collective Instagram is still posting about it as well. Very interesting. And now for people who are considering leaving a high demand religion, what are three tips you have for them? Oh gosh, just three. I think my biggest tip would be to find a support circle that is 
going to be there for you regardless of whether you examine the religion and decide to stay or you examine the religion and you decide to leave. Like you need to have someone there who's going to love you unconditionally and hold you on nights where you find something about your religion that changes your worldview or you find something in the history or just when your whole faith is realigning, it's a very tumultuous time. And to not have people there who are going to help and support you makes it feel very isolating, even though there are people who have been through the same thing. So whether you find that in the ex-Mormon community or in a close circle of friends or your significant other, it's important to have a support system. I think my second tip would be to examine things with your mind as much as you are examining them with your heart. Religion can teach you that following the spirit will always lead you to truth, but your mind is a pretty logical thing and it might lead you to truth more often than you expect it would when you're in a high demand religion. I guess my last tip would be to listen to perspectives from all sides. High demand religions and cults really, really like to limit your intake of information, tell you, oh, well, if you listen to ex-Mormon sources, you're going to become an ex-Mormon. They're very convincing. They're very sinful. They're going to drag you away. But that's just dogma to make you afraid. The truth, if when, whenever you find what is going to be the truth, is going to be something that is positive. It's going to make you feel better when you figure it out. It might hurt at first, but finding the truth is better than just following what feels comfortable. And as we're getting ready to wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add today? I guess an appreciation for the ex-Mormon community that I've found both on socials and at the chalking events and at LGBTQ events and things like that throughout Utah. Utah is so deeply enriched in Mormonism that sometimes it becomes very stifling, but also you forget that there's anything besides Mormonism or living around Mormons all the time. You feel like an other when, you know, people like that don't feel like that in the rest of the world. So finding a community that builds something together and gives you back something that you lose when you leave a high demand religion is just something that I'm incredibly grateful for. And all the ex-Mormon creators on TikTok and on Instagram and in all these places, I'm just so deeply appreciative of them for helping people transition out of the religion and for being there for people like me. Well, it's been great having you on. It's been great seeing what you've been doing for promoting LGBTQ plus treatment awareness and all that with the chalking and Provo and everything you've been doing. And Yeah, again, thank you for coming on and have a great night. Thank you so much for inviting me. And it was great to be here to talk about it. Thank you so much. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.